In this episode, we travel to the islands of Hawaii to look into one of the most well-known legends in Hawaiian mythology, the Menehune. Could there be more to them than just myth? Could they have been the first group of people to reach Hawaii? Today, we'll gain a little more understanding in this episode of I'm Scared But I Like It. Hello, hello. Hello. What's up, Chloe? What's new? Hey, Julianne. Um, <laughs> <laughs> welcome back. Uh, we're really excited to have you here again. Gosh, well, first of all, I want to say thank you for 100 followers on Instagram. Oh, wow. Look at us. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't recorded an episode yet where um, that happened. So we wanted to take the moment now to say thank you. Yes, thank you. Also, shout out to my mom who generously donated $50. Thank Thanks, you, mommy. Mom. We love you. Shout out to mom. <laughs> shout out to my mama. <laughs> and we've also been getting really sweet comments and feedback on the episodes that have already come out. So I just wanted to say thank you. And it really makes us happy to see that. Yes. Thank you to everyone who's who's told me that they're enjoying the show. It's appreciated. Yes. Yes. It makes it feel... Like we're really reaching people. I mean, we're doing this just because we want to have fun. But, you know, just to know that other people benefit from it as well is really satisfying. So Mm -hmm. thank you, guys. And of course, we always have to go into our entertainment recommendations for some (laughs) weird reason. Julianne, is there anything that you have? I actually do have something this time. Oh, my God. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So... We started watching, well, I'm re-watching it, but we started watching something that I realized I feel like a lot of people haven't heard of. And so I was wondering if you have heard of it. It's called Channel Zero. Have you heard of this? No. Hell yeah. Okay. What is Channel Zero? <laughs> so Channel Zero is a is a TV show from the sci-fi channel. <gasps> and it's <laughs> a horror anthology series. And <laughs> Each season is riffing off of and expanding on a different creepy pasta story. I, I don't know if you're familiar with creepy pastas. If you, I'm half familiar, half familiar, but I know. As in, you're familiar with pasta, but not of the creepy <laughs> variety. <laughs> no, I watched a Slenderman documentary. Okay, okay, and they were on creepy pasta all the time, and that that's kind of where it mm-hmm. started for them. It's just creepy internet stories, creepy fictional internet stories that people posted to forums awesome yeah and i can't it's been a really long time since i've watched it and i'm only halfway through the first season now and i like barely remember the other seasons but i feel like it's pretty solid like i remember the first season well and i love the first season it's uh have you heard the candle cove story no I probably shouldn't. I probably shouldn't try to summarize it for you because um, it'll probably make it not very interesting. I thought, I thought that sigh was disappointing. No, no, no. <laughs> Gosh, sorry. <laughs> it's just, it's excellent because the creepypasta stories are genuinely creepy and then they turn it into like a fleshed out story. And it is like genuinely a scary show. Like there is some very yes. creepy shit in this show. 
Oh my god. I I want to say more about one of the monsters, but I'm not going to, but it's horrific. Okay. Um I recommend oh it. Oh my god, I can't wait. Okay. <laughs> and okay. I think it's, I think each um, season's only like 6 episodes and they're like 40 minutes, so it's not like a huge investment or anything. Where can I watch it? Where can we watch it? Well, if you have a Shudder account, if you don't know about Shudder, it's kind of like Netflix but specifically for horror. You can watch all of Channel Zero on Shudder. Definitely recommend that. Shudder's a great service with a lot of cool horror options. It might be available on Apple TV and Amazon Prime as well. I'm doing a cursory look here. Maybe whatever YouTube TV is. Um, it's not very expensive. I'll tell you that much. It's like $2 on most of these. So worth checking out. Awesome. I'm going to definitely check it out. Hell yeah. I'm desperate all the time for a new anthology series. So here we go. <laughs> what about you? Yeah, I got a few things to say. Okay. A few weeks back, I saw Don't Worry, Darling. Um, oh, no. There's been so much drama around that movie. <laughs> oh, man. You know what? A lot of this is my personal opinion, and some of you might uh, disagree, but I don't know. I liked it. <laughs> I thought it was I feel fine. like that's how you feel about most good. movies. You're just like along for the ride. Yeah, I'm, I guess I'm really like open-minded, huh? Florence is great. I've heard Florence's performance is amazing. Florence did a killer job. Good. And I think she's the reason why it's worth seeing. But I also think the set is really cool. Mm. And yeah, I don't know. I think it's worth seeing. I don't think it's a total shit show. So <laughs> no, really, I, I enjoyed it. Okay. I So I would recommend it. I saw Barbarian recently. I need to see it. You didn't that. see it yet? I need to see it. Okay. So I'm not going to say anything more for all of you and for Julianne because all I'm going to say, this, and then we're going to move on, is I really want you guys to go in as blind as you can. Mm-mm-mm. Okay? And then that's all we're going to say about it. <laughs> Apparently, it's going to be streaming on HBO Max October 25th. I'm very excited. Oh, really? Already? Yep. Wow. Um. So... <laughs> I don't know when this episode's going to yeah. come, <laughs> but it'll probably be on there. It's some already point. out. <laughs> yeah, it's probably already out. Go go check it out. If you are a horror fan, like a true diehard horror fan, I think you need to see that movie. Um, I also saw Smile mm. right after, like a week after I saw Barbarian and it was a stark difference. I don't really recommend it. That's maybe. what I've heard. Yeah, it's... It's okay. It it had its potential. It's for me it didn't reach it. And then a couple other ones if you guys are on Netflix, there's a show called The Midnight Club that just came out this year. It's by oh what's his name? Never it's the same this. guy who did The Haunting of Hill House and The Haunting of Bly Manor. Oh yeah, he did Oculus and he did um Absentia. What's his name? He did Oculus? Yeah. What the fuck is his name? Mike Flanagan. Yep, 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 yep. yep. He also did Midnight Mass, which is another one I would highly Wait, recommend. Wait, what's, what's this one? Midnight Mass and Midnight, what else? So it's called The Midnight Club. Are they related? No. Oh. So The Midnight Club just came out this year. I loved it. I really loved it. And then Midnight Mass was excellent. So go watch that if you like that kind of stuff. I don't know what that is. Netflix, if you have it, go look. Um... Yeah, I guess that's it. I had so many recommendations this time because we haven't <laughs> recorded in a few weeks. So it all just built up and it's also Halloween time. Yeah. So it's like. I see. I have a whole schedule of international horror movies that I'm going to be watching, but I've only watched two of them so far. So next time I'll have like a bunch more to report on. 
Didn't you just recently watch Dark Water? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We watched Dark Water on Friday a couple days ago. That was dope. That was really good. The yeah. Japanese one, not the yeah. English one. Yeah, English one's not too bad. I've heard too, it's but- horrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, d- I didn't think it was that bad. I thought it was pretty good. But the Japanese version is like next level creepy. Mm. So guys, dark water, Japanese version. Yeah. Yes. Very good. Yes. It's not it's not like over the top jump scary or anything for people who are a little skittish about that kind of stuff. Dread. Just, dread just, inducing. Dread. Mm-hmm. It's very dreadful. Yes. But like not in a bad way. Yeah. Okay. Great. Well, guys, are you excited for this episode? Are you ready to jump in? I know I am. Oh, my God. (laughs) I'm so excited. (laughs) Well, before we start talking about the Menehune, I do have a couple disclaimers. So in previous episodes, you've heard me say Hawaii as Hawaii. But I wanted to address this. I think a lot of locals still say Hawaii, but the correct pronunciation is Hawaii. Mm. And there's a little... It looks like an apostrophe, but it's going the other way. That's called an okina between the two eyes. And that is the proper way to spell it and the proper way to say it. So not Hawaii, but Hawaii. Although if you said, if you came here and said Hawaii would be okay too, and like no one's going to get that upset, I think for the most part. But I wanted to say it correctly for the sake of this episode, because I really want to start, I mean, just saying it correctly. That's what it's supposed to be called. And In my real life, I say Hawaii, but I also say Hawaii sometimes. And so I realized, oh, man, I've been kind of saying it wrong this whole time. So apologies. And you're going to hear me start saying it right starting from this episode. And also just like a cute little PSA that if you guys do come to Hawaii to vacation, that's awesome. But uh, just make sure that you respect nature, you respect the animals and you kind of respect the locals too because sometimes some of us like live in areas that are like popular tourist destinations because the landscape is so beautiful but uh, sometimes when you park your cars it can block up places it makes life a living hell for people who actually live here so I just want to say if you come here you're welcome just be like kind-hearted respectful and just like think with your heart and think with courtesy and I think that will be more than enough. So <laughs> great. <laughs> yeah. And in addition to this, the Menehune, it's such a vast topic that I'm not going to be able to get into everything today. So we could focus on like the legends of the Menehune, but in this episode, we're going to talk more about the origins, what they are, and the theories on what they could be. So Keep listening if you do want to hear more about Menehune legends, like the actual stories. I'll have a really good book to recommend later on. Julianne, yes. have you ever heard of the Menehune? I have heard of the Menehune. <laughs> you have? What's yes. your idea of them? Um, I mean, my knowledge of the Menehune, I think it began probably in an episode of Rocket Power on Nickelodeon as a child. Um, what? I'm pretty... I'm pretty sure Rocket Power has a Menehune episode. I don't think they go into depth is all I'm trying to say. (laughs) Um, And I actually have a little piece of Menehune artwork that I found in a thrift store long, long, long ago. And I don't know a lot about them, but my impression is that they're kind of like little, um, they're kind of like little like 
trickster fairies or something. But I don't know if they actually have the trickster vibe. I don't know if they're just little fairies. I don't know. Hey, you're pretty close. Am I? Okay. Yeah, you're actually <laughs> right on the money. Um, okay, great. Yeah. Episode I don't know about- complete. <laughs> yeah, okay. See you next time, guys. <laughs> Well, to understand the Menehune, we must first understand their origins and the people who studied their origins. Introducing Catherine Luomala. So I went to the public library and I got my first library card. I'm shocked that I didn't have one before. Wait, you didn't have one before? I don't know. I love reading. I usually just go to Barnes and Nobles and just buy the books. But oh my God. I, I finally just went to the the library and I was like this is the best thing in the world congratulations thank you yeah it was like a breakthrough I was like oh finally this is everything I ever wanted (laughs) and I looked up books on the Menehune it was super fun to like go to that little computer click clack and I found a few books but one that really stood out and is going to be the basis of a lot of this information is from a woman named Catherine Luamala the book I found is called The Menehune of Polynesia and Other Mythical Little People of Oceania. It made me feel like a real investigator because this book doesn't even have, like, I'll show it to Julianne. It looks like someone made this cover out oh. of cardboard. Yeah. And then just it typed looks like a out, scrapbook. Yeah, like they just printed out the title and then cut it out and taped it onto the book so it looks fascinating that looks old it's super old um (laughs) and i opened this thing and i was like what is this book it does it looks like a journal it doesn't even look like a published book and so it got me in the investigative scooby-doo mood where i'm like hell yeah okay this is some secret stuff that i just found in the corner of this library you can't get this at barnes and noble no you can't (laughs) so a little bit on Luomala. Luomala devoted her research to Pacific myths, legends, and cryptids, did scientific research into her subjects, and composed witty, charming, intelligent case studies, the most intelligent case studies, in my opinion. Luomala was a professor at UH Manoa during a period of her life and is remembered as a kind and gracious woman with high standards for her students. She's remembered as giving lengthy feedback on essays, always thinking of her students and their well-being and wanting to help them be the most refined they could be. And the reason I'm telling you this is because when I was reading this book, I really started to feel like one of her students. She is hilarious. And I've never really read like an anthropology book that made me laugh. So mm-hmm. she's she's kind of a hoot. She's really cute. That was a poem I just said. <laughs> Shout out to Catherine. Do keep in mind that this book was written decades ago. So some of the vocabulary is a little out of date. So I tried to update the vocabulary to not offend anyone. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Catherine, you're going to hear me reference Luomala a lot. The other person I might reference is a man named William Hyde Rice. Now, William Hyde Rice... Uh, who, according to my favorite resource, Wikipedia, (laughs) was a businessman and politician who served in the Kingdom of Hawaii during the kingdom's overthrow and in the following Republic of Hawaii and Territory of Hawaii governments. He collected and published legends of Hawaiian mythology. 
Rice helped to draw up the 1887 Constitution of the Kingdom of Hawaii, known as the Bayonet Constitution, and was one of the 13 committeemen who forced King David Kalakaua to sign it. He was appointed the last of the governors of Kauai in 1891 by Queen Liliuokalani, whom he later helped to overthrow and place under house arrest, participating in the overthrow of the Hawaiian monarchy in 1893. In other words, this guy really enjoyed Hawaiian mythology and actually put a lot of work into writing it out because back then the Hawaiian language wasn't a written language. Mm. So they didn't have a writing system. And so when these missionaries came over, they taught them not only religion, but they created a writing system, really. So William is one of the people who wrote down a lot of stories and a lot of history into words where we could actually reference them. So he is very important in this role, but he also betrayed the queen and the kingdom of Hawaii. So, also, you know, like, he's fuck also you. a filthy colonizer. Right. Yeah. So thank you. But also like, go fuck your jerk. Yeah, go fuck yourself. <laughs> exactly. We can say it here. Um, so I had mixed feelings this whole entire time. I was like, OK, fine. I'll use your information. But fuck you. <laughs> can I interrupt with a question? Yeah. In did you go to public school? I sure up? did. Yes. In Hawaiian public school, do they go over the history of Hawaii very much, or do they just kind of keep it to broader America? Oh, we definitely go into the history of Hawaii. Okay. Okay. That's yeah. all. I'm just curious. Yeah. Yeah, we do. We also go into American history for sure, but I, I don't know. I wasn't really. I didn't really give a shit. About school. <laughs> So that's my half-baked answer <laughs> for you. thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so according to one of William Rice's accounts of the Menehune, I changed up a couple words not to offend people. I'm going to really try my best. I'm really sorry if I end up... There's only so much I can do. William describes them as, quote, a race of mythical dwarfs from two to three feet in height who were possessed of great strength a race of individuals around two to three feet who were squat, tremendously strong, powerfully built with a very ugly face. Rude. Very rude. So rude. They were credited with the building of many temples, roads, and other structures around the Hawaiian Islands. Trades among them were well systemized, every menehune being restricted to his own particular craft in which he was a master. If unable to complete the work, it was left undone. I guess I didn't realize they were like squat and strong. I didn't picture them as like like Lord of the Rings dwarves. I pictured <laughs> them as, I don't know, England fairies. <laughs> right. So some people do think of them as fairies, but most of the accounts do not talk about them being any smaller than three feet or two feet. Um, there is this one story from a child years ago who talked about them being like fit in the palm of your hand, like very, very oh. tiny. That seems to be one of the only accounts that I could find historically. So to me, that's not enough. Yeah, and I, if it's a to kid go on. saying it. And it's a kid. Yeah, know. yeah Ooh. no. <laughs> 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 um, sorry, kids. <laughs> Any kids listening out there? We love you. We don't trust you. Stop lying. <laughs> And so through Luomala's research, she first highlights the fact that menehune are believed by so many people in Hawaii, ranging from the ages of children to the elderly. Most of these people 
seemingly normal, reasonable, and sane. So Luomala describes the phenomena of menehune as a very unique thing uh, seen in this culture. She calls it a cultural survival or quote-unquote retention. So it's described in her book as when a belief, custom, or object of an earlier age lingers into a later period but acquires a new meaning or context. So this means that the legend of the Mune- <laughs> the legend of the Menehune has been around for a while, but it's still around today in this new day and age. It's not just this older concept and it's also transformed. The idea of it continues to transform. So that's quite unique because usually when there's a belief or a custom, it lasts for a certain period of time. But the fact that this has kept its stance in Hawaii and in the belief systems of many people, that's pretty special. Yeah. Right. Another very important thing to keep in mind while we go through this episode is the importance of storytelling in the Hawaiian culture. So Hawaiian stories or mo'olelo passed down from generation to generation to trusted individuals in the family is a sacred and special tradition in Hawaiian families. Hmm. These stories are considered precious knowledge passed down to allow history to live on. So remember when I said earlier that there wasn't a written language to record things so there's no written record it's just all passed down verbally verbally so So that's why yeah and so that's why it's really a storytelling in hawaii is record keeping yeah really um and that's why these stories are considered very sacred and like knowledge is is truly that super important i guess that must make it somewhat difficult to keep track of like when a story began Right. Like it has been passed on so many times. Like, where did it start? Well, we know the game of telephone, right? Um, (laughs) It it kind of changes over time. Yeah. Or there's a new version of it based on someone's interpretation. Mm -hmm. But I do think that they tried to keep it as accurate as possible. That's the gist I'm getting. Yeah. And it's interesting because the stories on the island of Oahu leaned more towards Menehune being these real beings like real types of humans while on the island of Kauai uh, they're regarded more as magical beings Mm. or spiritual beings wait I have a new question sure (laughs) I'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) so I know that the different well uh, Julian obviously I'm like answering my own question in my head but I'm I'm just curious how separate the different islands were over history obviously at some point you know travel took place but i'm curious how like was there ever a time where the islands were isolated from each other i mean probably not right like probably arrive at one island and then you keep going to the other ones do you understand what i'm asking yeah i do i don't know (laughs) i don't really know the 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 correct way to answer that in particular so that's um, fine yeah but I'm just over I here do. stressing. I'm over here stressing like <laughs> like would the stories be super different, you know? Or like what would So okay. I I'm like if if there are many Hune stories on the different islands, how much influence was there on each other if any? Or was it just like completely separate things happening? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I know what you mean. Um 
If you can't answer, I can cut this all out. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's a really good question. I wish I had a better answer, but based on everything I've read, my best guess would be that there were different formations or archaeological sites on different islands. And so I think it created different stories based off of that. So on the island of Kauai, there were a lot more Menehune structures just based on what the research I've done so far, um, I could be wrong about that, but they seem to be kind of concentrated on Kauai. Okay. So that would lead me to think, or, or it would make sense to me why the stories would be more magical on Kauai. And we will get into that um, later on in the episode, but I'm not really sure why, where the idea of them being more human is coming yeah. from on the island yeah. of Oahu. That I don't know if anyone is really super clear on. Okay carry on (laughs) (laughs) no that's a great question that these are the things we need to know and in today's day and age many hune are more considered like little tricksters as you said that was the exact word whenever something goes missing or gets misplaced we blame it on the many hune like (laughs) you know like we (laughs) like oh we wouldn't lose our bike oh it's a many hune i like (laughs) we love a scapegoat yeah, they really have become a scapegoat. They're also in a lot of marketing. So really, like Menehune, yeah, there's Menehune water. I'm gonna sh- start sharing my screen now. Oh my god, I had no idea. Oh yeah, That's man, so marketing. Funny. Yeah, I almost want to get offended, but I'm also not sure if they're actually even real anyway. So, <laughs> so you know, th- okay. <laughs> Let me see here. Oh my god, can you zoom in on that? What? I'm trying to understand the outfit here. <laughs> is, is that just his belly that I'm seeing? See his belly? Oh out? yeah, yeah. So we're going to talk about their characteristics in a sec, but this is just an example of how they've been used in marketing. So there's many hune water. You can buy it in Japan as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so this has been around since before I was born. Mm. I'm sure, and I've seen it everywhere. And it's you know, but when you really look at it, it's uh, it's like I guess the the story that they're trying to put out is like, oh, the Menehune bottled this water. Um. <laughs> <laughs> the, like Keebler elves. Right. <laughs> also, another example of marketing with the Menehune is at Disney's Aulani Hotel on the west side of Oahu. They have like a little Menehune game where you can find them like around the, the hotel grounds. And at first I was like, you know, any... Any big company that comes here and tries to make a profit off of the land, I just mm-hmm. immediately automatically get really annoyed. But I will give them credit that it seems like they really tried to do their research and design the Menehune statues off of, they say, from Necker Island, which is here. This is Necker Island. So there's formations on Necker Island. So they tried to, oh. I don't know how they gained inspiration from that. But <laughs> those are some rocks. <laughs> I know. Hold on. So this is a picture from their resort. And this is, they have these little okay. carvings here. So at least Disney's trying. I'll yeah. give them that. Okay. So let's get into the physical description and behavior of the Menehune so we can understand them better and what we expect them to be just based on numerous accounts taken over the decades. So most of these traits come from Catherine Luomala's book, The Menehune of Polynesia and Other Mythical Little People of Oceania. So here we go. Uh, So the Menehune are said to stand two to three feet tall. They're physically strong, hairy, while other reports say they're hairless. 
I need answers. Those are two very different things. Yeah, we're going to get into the contradictions because no one talks about the contradictions, but I noticed a bunch of them. <laughs> Not that I'm that special. I'm sure other people have too. But you I are. Was like, this is like probably the biggest issue with Menehune is that the accounts are so different. Right. Yeah. So um, at one point, they supposedly lived on all the Hawaiian islands, although most of the stories take place on Oahu or Kauai. They have intense, almost intimidating faces. And according okay. to, to William Hyde Rice Ugly, which is just so rude. So mean. So rude. Look at yourself, William. <laughs> God. Take a look into your soul, man. <laughs> look in the mirror, guy. Oh, boy. The Menehune love to celebrate and are known to be merry. So very much like hobbits, I, okay. I notice. Yeah, they have like hobbit vibes. But they sound more industrious than hobbits oh, building stuff. They are not lazy. Yeah. Hobbits are a little more kickback. Um, <laughs> they love to eat and feast, especially after the completion of a project. They're well-rounded. They are. They're loud, rambunctious. Some report that they hear humming, like that they hum. Okay. Apparently, they're storytellers. They love to tell stories. They're artisans and craftsmen. So stone masonry, like all that kind of mm. stuff. They're, they're supposed to be extremely skilled. And I guess in my notes, I wrote here basically an ISTP from MBTI personality types. Oh, Chloe, I don't know what that one is. Someone's going to know what that is. Um, <laughs> and you're going to, they're going to laugh and think that's funny. <laughs> um, what's interesting is most of these accounts, they consist of male reportings, but not so much female or yeah. children. Apparently they love to play games. They love to make music, sing music, dance to music. Small but fierce could apparently take on sharks oh. and leaving... Uh, yeah, and they would leave a pile of rocks behind after its defeat. Okay. <laughs> Apparently, they have enemies. Who? Dogs and owls, Julianne. M but sharks are no problem? No problem. <laughs> <laughs> and so... I guess, yeah, I guess owls would be... Any bird of prey is probably not great if you're a little scurrying thing. So I believe I'm correct, but some of the legends talk about how... The Menehune were just too rambunctious or noisy at night. And the dogs and the owls were like, shut <laughs> up. And so they would go over there and scare them off. So dogs and owls have been blamed for unfinished projects. Like, oh, that must oh. be why. <laughs> yes, yes. Their diet consisted of uncooked plants and fish, such as sugarcane, fruits, fish, shrimp, arrowroot, squash, Sweet potatoes, taro, and greens. Although shrimp, shrimp, uh, keep this in mind now. Remember this little fact. You'll okay. understand later. But shrimp are their favorite food. Okay. I'm not right. going to forget that. Yeah. Apparently, they're a fireless group of individuals, which from a survival standpoint doesn't make a whole lot of sense if these were real creatures. But who knows? Oh, I wrote in my notes, uncooked sweet potatoes sound a little gnarly. <laughs> And, un and, and yeah, that's a good point, isn't that? And uncooked taro will fuck you up. It will. Is that it will true? kill you. What? Yeah. Is it poisonous? Oh yeah. Oh I yeah. Oh, I've ever oh. had taro. Okay, so guys, if any of you, just <laughs> you, in case, if, please do not replicate a menehune diet without speaking to a physician first. Right. So taro is a poisonous plant. You really have to boil and cook the sh the the fudge out of it to make it edible 
But yeah, please, because that can make you very sick or send you to the hospital, maybe even kill you if you don't treat it. So please Whoa. be careful. I've heard that yeah. about beans and lentils too. If you don't cook them enough, you yes. can get really sick. Yes, that's correct. That's crazy. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that. So no. make sure you, if you're using dried beans, <laughs> okay, random <laughs> PSA, um, soak your beans for a very long time, like overnight, and then rinse out all the water just to make sure all of that. Yeah. This has been food safety minute. Yeah. Yeah. We just, we care about you guys. We want to make sure you guys are like, you're in the know. Okay. Anyway, back to the scheduled programming. (laughs) (laughs) Another interesting thing to consider is there's another less known mythical creature in Hawaiian mythology called the Moo. The what? Moo. The Moo. Okay. Right. So Moo supposedly like bananas. While Menehune do not. So, and apparently Menehune bellies are distended while the Mu are round. Um, I don't know what that means. Uh, Mu are definitely based more in the mythical and magical realm. Do you know what like a a puppy belly looks like when it's all kind of like young and full of worms? Ew, yeah. Just like, that's that's what distended means. Like, right. Yeah. I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, no, I know. but, But then they said like, distended versus round and i was like okay anyway (laughs) don't worry about the moo we're not going to go into the moo too much but they're now uh, i'm curious about the moo what's up with the moo well they're really just forest nymphs really they're they're forest spirits so they eat bananas they apparently like bananas the menehune do not okay apparently i'm i'm on team moo i think (laughs) (laughs) for that potassium (laughs) they get it yeah. So they're said like any time that they finish a a project like um, a heiau, which is like a, a church or a ceremonial type of space or like a fish pond or anything like that, they would get fed as a reward and shrimp would be their favorite reward. Understandable. Who's rewarding them? What do you mean? Like, are there managers? Are there manager menehune? There are chief menehune. Okay. Yeah. They have hierarchy in their menehune system. Okay. And so some people say the chiefs, uh, the Menehune chiefs would give them food, while others say native Hawaiians from the Marquesas Islands would give them food. It's, don't worry about it. Okay. Yeah. Personality-wise, they seem to be very helpful and friendly to humans. They don't really have a bone to pick with them unless you start messing with their projects or the land. Then they're going to have a bone to pick with you, and they're said to be... They can be quite vicious. There are some legends that say they can turn you into stone. Oh, fuck. Yeah. And that sometimes whenever they would fight with each other, they would turn each other into stone, which is why I think some of the stone Menehune structures or um, archaeological finds, they, I think that went along with the storytelling. Mm. And now I'm thinking about that picture you showed of the kind of island outcropping thing with the little stones on it. And I'm just like, oh, are those straight up Menehune? And we just don't know. I don't know. Interesting. I'm not sure. We'll go into Necker Island a little later. Okay, so as we mentioned earlier, there are a lot of contradictions in their characteristics. So yeah. some accounts say that they're hairy versus I don't know how to say this, glabrous. <laughs> um I'm sorry. Glabrous. <laughs> Gl- glabrous? <laughs> Yeah. How do, you, um, how do you spell it? G L A B R O U S. What the fuck is that? The yeah. fuck is this word? 
Glabrous. Oh, thank you, Google. Glabrous. What does that mean? It means very smooth, like free of hair type of stuff. Oh, okay. Right. So hairy versus non-hairy. Yeah. Hairy versus (laughs) glabrous. Yeah, glabrous. Some accounts say that they're extroverted versus introverted. So they're either shy or they're very like rambunctious. (laughs) Some accounts, I think this is the biggest contradiction is magical versus Mm -hmm, mm non-magical so were they actually real human species or are they just stories or spiritual beings some say they're thieves they're they're very trickster Mm -hmm. and thieve-like or some say that they're very respectful they're more like cultivators bananas versus no bananas (laughs) some people think they like bananas contentious yeah and then this is an interesting one too is some people believe that only people of Hawaiian ancestry can see them. Oh, okay. So they would be invisible to others. And that's why they're very legendary because only a certain group of people can see them. But I have a couple stories in this episode that might go against that belief. Okay. So we'll see what we think have later. Have you seen a I have not. Okay. I have not. No. Well, that tracks with the theory then. <laughs> there you go. So far. <laughs> One point for that. Um, (laughs) And yeah, I think we touched on this a little bit earlier, but it's strange that a lot of these accounts are mostly about men. Yeah. Male sightings. My little drawing is a little lady. Okay, good. I'm like, where did this come from? Right. So if they were really real beings, then we you would think that we would see the females and the children, right? Mm -hmm. Their offspring. But really what we're seeing or hearing about is male menehune. I mean, with Lord of the Rings, I'm pretty sure you can't really tell the dwarf sexes apart from each other. Now I'm wondering if it's like that. Perhaps, but even then, like the offspring would be a thing, right? Yeah. And even in the legends, some legends give like numbers, like like a census back in the day. A menehune census? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And... Uh, I don't have those exact numbers with me right now, and I don't think they matter too much. But uh, the point is that the male census heavily outweighed the female count. Interesting. And so with that very few amount of women, with that amount of adult males, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Or if there were a lot of women, were they being like, were they dying off early or we're not really sure? I have questions about their lifespans. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know? Okay. We don't know. Interesting. Maybe some people have theories, but I wouldn't say anything that's concrete. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so now I want to show you, just so we have reference, a few of their structures. That's This a one, right. So it's a fish pond. It's called Alakoko Fish Pond. It's located on the island of Kauai. And it you see this furry, foresty divider in the middle of the lake. That wall. What? Yeah, like that strip of land between the river back there and this huge fish pond. Oh, yes, 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 I do see that. Yeah, so that is a 900-foot wall that is said to be carefully crafted by the Menehune. Oh, interesting. Okay, I'll take you to our next one, the Necker Islands, which we discussed a little earlier. This is the island, right, um, just to refresh everyone's memory, this is uh, the island that Disney got inspired (laughs) by. Right. So here's Necker, here's Necker Island as a whole. Yeah, it just looks like a bunch of rocks. Right. It kind of looks like a like a sea monster, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah. 
Okay, and so I believe these little stones here that kind of look like tombstones, yeah. I believe that w would be the Menehune structure that they're relating to. Okay. Well, I believe that those are Menehune who turned each other into stone, so. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And there is one legend that says that the Necker Islands were the last place that the Menehune resided when they were kind of exiled, Oh, I guess. Okay. Yeah. So that's why the Necker Islands have some sort of significance. They're, they're said to be so rambunctious and festive and stuff. It's hard to think about them exiling each other. <laughs> I know. And their environments seem to be very forest-based or cave-based. Yeah. So uh, Necker Island, as you can see, there's no forest. It's no. very barren. It's known to be a very inhabitable place because... A very uninhabitable place? Uninhab oh shit! It's <laughs> it's known for being a very uninhabitable place because of the lack of water and the lack of coverage, right? Mm -hmm. No trees, no. So the next place we're going to is a place called Kiki Aloa. This is an irrigation ditch uh, used to grow taro, and there's about 120 finely cut basalt rocks that line about 200 feet of the outer wall. So, okay. so this is. There's like an incredible cave system in here, right? So you see these finely cut rocks here? How they're- Where? Uh, oh, yes, I do. Right. Oh. So imagine hundreds of years ago without any type of modern technology or equipment to cut stones that beautifully and to put them there. I think that was very unbelievable and unexplainable to a lot of people mm. over time. So- is the idea that these blocks were just like stumbled upon? Like they were just already here? That's a really good question. Yes. Oh. Yes. We're going to get into that. Yeah. Oh my. Yeah. Okay. This is, this is, that's going to be a very interesting point, Julianne. You're so smart. <laughs> that's going to be a very interesting point in why all of this makes no fucking sense, but it might make sense eventually. Okay. You're so smart. Okay. Don't look at that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just in case, um, we don't have to put this in the podcast, but just in case you wanted a visual oh, on Menehune. This one offends me to my core. I don't, um, I don't like that. <laughs> okay, hair, just a hairy one. one. Yeah, not the glabrous. He's got a tuchus. Um, okay. Excuse me? A tuchus? You not heard tuchus? Mm -mm. Booty. <laughs> it's, a, it's a Yiddish word. <laughs> oh my God. And I, I want you to remember this picture for later. I don't want to remember this picture, but okay. But I think this one probably shows the most characteristics of what we've heard so far. But remember this picture. I'll remember that back picture. To okay. So the last place we're going to go is Ulupo Heiau, a heiau on the island of Oahu. So you see all these stones and like this whole structure here. Mm -hmm. That was said to be made by the Menehune. Okay. So, okay. Hold on. Go back. <laughs> so it looks like a little courtyard almost and there's like a whole bunch of cobblestone i can't tell if that's just like the cobblestone ground kind of slanting up a hill or if that's meant to be like a wall in the back do you okay. know yeah, i have another wall? picture for you you'll understand okay then it looks like there's just like a what it looks like either a tombstone or like a sink made out of stone it's a huge hill oh yeah oh it's a big ass it, hill what it's the a big thing Fook? So big this ass, is the entrance hill to of, it. of stones. Yeah. So now we're familiar with some of the locations that are rumored to be 
made by the Menehune. And if you guys are curious to what they look like, check out our Facebook or Instagram pages and you will see the photos there. Yeah. And I, I put links to the pertinent ones in the show notes as well. Or Chloe, awesome. whoever, one of us does. Somebody did. does something. They will be there. <laughs> They're going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> and on the YouTube. They're on the YouTube. They're they're everywhere. They're fucking everywhere. They're everywhere. Yep. Yep. So I do have a couple firsthand experiences from real life people. <gasps> um, but before we get into that, I just want to say, as I mentioned earlier, we're not going to go into the Hawaiian legends. I'm not going to be reciting any of them. Also, just for copyright reasons and mm-hmm. not to make this episode like three hours long. But a book I do recommend is called Tales of the Menehune. I would get the revised edition compiled by Mary Kavena Pukui, retold by Caroline Curtis and illustrated by Robin Birmingham. Oh, so, Chloe. Oh, Chloe, wait. I'm just, I came wait. up with a hilarious joke that I should have said at the very beginning. What? M- Mene who they. <laughs> All right, we can continue. No. I'm not going to put it. I'm not going to put it at the beginning. I'm just going to leave it right here. <laughs> oh my god (laughs) ew I don't like this drawing Chloe has shocked me with a screen share of the cover of the Tales of the Menehune book and I don't like this man it doesn't look like a Menehune it looks like a man wow burn to Robin burning him how dare you sorry (laughs) Robin I don't like it it looks too much like a person I don't know what to say He'll be a cult leader or something. Well, that's one way to look at it. Um. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, okay, whatever. (laughs) Okay, so let's jump into the real life stories. Are you ready? I'm so ready. I'm so ready. I'm so ready. Because, guys, it's one thing to hear about, oh, the Menehune legends, but to actually know that people see them. Let's get into it. What the fuck? Okay. Right. So this story takes place on a road called Saddle Road. It's a very long stretch of highway on the island of Hawaii. So it's called the Big Island. So we've been talking about the island of Oahu and Kauai this entire time, but apparently there are sightings on every island, and this is one of them from the Big Island. Okay. Okay. So in the 1970s, a woman is driving down Saddle Road in the afternoon on a beautiful day with her dog in the passenger seat. She slowly approaches a long stone wall that looks like it was made with lava rocks that she described. She stares in awe at this incredible wall that looked like it was made with much efficiency and skill. This wall was on her left, so she's driving down the road, so this thing is across the street from her. And behind that wall, she recalls there being like a flat lava field, like or just like a flat field with a lot of rocks. Hmm. And Right beyond that is a little poof of forest. I, poof is maybe not the right word, but it's like a little... <laughs> a patch. Cause, right, because Saddle Road, there's not forest all around. Um, yeah. So as you can see in the photo, and if you want to see the photo, again, go to our Facebook or Instagram or in the show notes. But it's just like this little poof of forest. And something catches her eye. She sees a little movement in the trees. And so she's curious as ever, so she reverses back. And she pulls over across the street to check it out. So she's looking really hard. And what she sees is a a man emerging from the forest. 
from this from this line of trees and he's about three feet tall it was hard to tell exactly because they weren't they were a little far off but she said that they were short like they weren't normal size she could tell that at least but this man was wearing like a a loincloth and he was he looked hawaiian he had white hair he was a little scruffy he was so ripped that's the one thing she kept saying was like he was ripped <laughs> like this guy was, was working she like out. a little distracted was she like a little worked up about no, it no, no, like... no 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 she was she told me she felt really creeped out because this was she guy, told you yeah this is someone yeah oh I, this is, I didn't yeah i'm not realize. just pulling this from the internet no i, I didn't know where the story came from <laughs> okay so she sees this person and she's like what in the world? Because Saddle Road is so far out there. Okay, I've been on Saddle Road. It is desolate. Mm. So she's in the middle of nowhere. Wait, what time of day this, is this? It's just daytime? Yeah, this is on a beautiful afternoon, blue sky, yeah. everything. And he just emerges out of the trees and she's shocked. She's like, what are, is this guy she's doing like, here? Biceps, dude. Like, what? I've never <laughs> seen biceps like these. Yeah, she mentioned Those the abs. Quads. Oh, the abs. <laughs> 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 so uh, the man got sight of her and he stopped and remember she's parked right next to that wall that wall formation mm. and they made eye contact which is really creepy um, they made eye contact and she said he looked pissed oh no um, and then he started to walk towards her nope 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 so she exactly so she started the car and she turned around and she sped off and in her rear view mirror she could see him still staring at her and then he walked back into the forest oh my god so curious as ever <laughs> she this person is a very curious person she turns around and she goes back because she's like I need to know what I saw and there's nothing there anymore but she said that was so strange because he seemed so primitive looking. And I asked her, like, did this look like just like a regular dude? Maybe there's like a farm out there. She's like, Chloe, this was in the middle of nowhere. Mm. And this person looked a little primitive. Like the face was a little, I can't even explain. Like the eyebrow shape was a little strange. And he had like whitish, grayish, bushy eyebrows, big ears and I was thinking, like, could this just be, like, a case of a wild person or a homeless individual? But it's just really strange that they fit the almost exact description of Menehune. Yeah. With the white hair, the ripped body, yeah. the... Stout. Right, stout. And it would make sense that maybe he looked pissed at her because she was right next to their project, their rock wall. Okay. So... This is a very curious story. And there's a lot of stories like this around, I'm I'm sure. I couldn't, I'm sorry, I couldn't um, interview everyone in Hawaii. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is just one of them. That's wild. And now I have another story for you. Oh it's actually my grandfather's story. Okay. And um, also shout out to my grandfather. He just passed away a few weeks ago. So I say this story with so much love in my heart. And it's really cool that I get to share it with you guys today. Thank you for sharing it with us. Yeah. So our story takes place in 1951. Uh, my grandpa was with his friends Melvin and Jerry. And I believe this was still on the Big Island. They were all, mm, I think, like juniors in high school. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So they're very, very young. Uh, one day they planned to go fishing. 
So Melvin picked all of them up in their truck, in his truck, and stopped over in Pahoa, which is a town on the Bay Island, and stopped by the Yamaguchi store to buy shrimp, so frozen shrimp. So they wanted to use it for bait, right? Oh, okay. So the shrimp was in an ice block. They bought it and started to drive down to Kalapana to search for a special fishing spot. It took them about 30 minutes to get there, so they parked about two miles from a popular beach spot, and they had to park, get out, and walk, right, to their special fishing spot, which would have been, like, about a 20-minute walk. So they unpacked the car and started to head down the path, and towards the end of the path, so about 15 to 20 minutes later, they're like, oh, man, we forgot the frozen shrimp. We forgot the ice block, right? So Melvin decided to stay and watch their stuff, and my grandpa and Jerry went back to the truck, which wasn't that far away. And what's really strange is that they had to climb over a stone wall to get back, Stop. to get to and from the car, right? Oh my God, okay. The wall was short, long, and perfectly like aligned with stones, right? So it was strange. Uh, it didn't look modern. It looked a little old. They walked past as fast as they could because they're like, oh, we like fish already, you know, hurry up, you know, like... We don't want to waste any more time. They get back to the car and oh, well, I don't know why this creeps me out so much, but they get back to the car and the shrimp box is where they left it. But every single shrimp has been extracted from the ice. Stop. Eaten. The flesh is gone and the shells are neatly piled. Stop. No, 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 Right next no, to the no, box. No. It's only been like 15 minutes, Julianne. No, 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 no. Does your grandpa okay. f- like to fuck with you? Like, no. Is that something he no. liked to do? My grandpa was not a liar. He was probably the most uh, stoic Asian American you will ever meet in your life. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure he was in a gang at one point. Like, he what? was. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, he was not someone you wanted to mess around with. He was very, like, no joking around kind of person. Okay. Okay. That's. I don't like this. (laughs) Yeah, so they ran back as fast as they could and told Melvin, who was waiting there at the the fishing spot with all of their stuff. Melvin is so bored at this point. Yeah, Melvin's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So they tell Melvin, I guess Melvin believes them, and they all start booking it back to the car. And they dumped everything in the truck, and they sped off, and that was it. Oh, my God. I don't know if they ever went back. That's... If you guys didn't do what Chloe said and remember the shrimp thing, that's their favorite snack and they don't like get cooked. <laughs> exactly. Oh my God. I hate the pile. I hate the pile of shells. The pile is the pile. what is weird. And like instantly my mind goes to animal, right? Yeah. Like that would be the most logical reason. Yeah. But the fact that they were so meticulously exactly. peeled and then piled right next to the box neatly exactly. was like... And that they had to pass over that stone wall. That oh, old stone, yeah, the stone wall. wall is fucked too. Is even crazier. Do you guys so have these, raccoons on? No, pile? we don't. No. We do not. The worst we have is like mongoose. But they're oh, I really okay. can't see a mongoose doing that. Yeah. Can I tell you something? <laughs> they're like ferrets. I have to tell you something funny and like kind of creepy. <laughs> oh yes, I love it. <laughs> so I was camping at one point. I don't remember why, but we we left the cooler out, like not in the car. We left it out on the ground. And all night I 
was having these horrible nightmares, these nightmares of like, uh, almost like Slender Man kind of image. Just like I had like oh, this no. image of like a, a too thin man at the cooler uh. eating ice cubes out of the cooler with his long fingies. Um, no, no, no. It was no, just like no, the most no. horrifying dream to have while you're camping. But the reality was when I came out like in the morning after like not very much sleep, um, the cooler had been opened and all the food was taken by raccoons. <gasps> <laughs> They're oh, so clever. God. They're so good at like opening stuff and they just took all of my food and I must have heard them like clamoring around in the ice and my brain's like, we're going to make this as fucking horrific as possible. <laughs> Ruin your day. <laughs> Anyway. Your brain probably did that because it's trying to protect you. It's trying to like prepare you for the worst case scenario. Yeah. Your sleepy brain. I, thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah. Thank God it was just raccoons though, but I yeah, mean, we don't, we don't actually know. Here. We don't actually know if it was just raccoons, do we? Or it was the Slender Man? Okay. It could have just been a man eating the ice. Oh, that is. Oh, that is just. <laughs> That is so unsettling. <laughs> I know. I don't like that picture in my it's mind. Hor- just, just like a very just, focused man chomping on plain ice cubes in the middle of the night at your campsite. That is so disturbing, it's guys. So oh scary. boy. Okay. Anyway, so it wasn't. It wasn't. Um, oh. It probably wasn't a man eating the shrimp, and it probably wasn't raccoons <laughs> either, because there are no raccoons. <laughs> there are no raccoons, guys. I mean, we don't even have snakes. We have like what a snake that's technically a snake, but it's like a worm that's blind. S- we you, don't have snakes. You only have worms. Yeah, no snakes. That's fascinating. Okay. I mean, we have some like venomous spiders here and there, but they leave you alone. I mean, you'd really have to be out in the country to even encounter them. Wow. Is there anything yeah. really dangerous other than those spiders? Um, in terms of wildlife, no, no. no. Interesting. I, I would. S- well, Sorry, this is a, a total tangent. I'm just, I'm just curious oh, yeah. about the wildlife now. <laughs> oh, no, no. Small tangent, guys. Um, just for you guys who are interested. Um, no, we don't really have anything that would be that threatening except for, you know, sharks or whatever. But Sure. Those are easy to avoid on land. Yeah, very easy, <laughs> it turns out. Um, there are people who bring in wild exotic animals illegally. Oh, so, great. We oh, have no. found alligators here oh, in the fuck. river system. Jesus Christ. We have found pythons and other type Stop, of snakes dude. here. If we're in a snake-free paradise, don't fucking invite that in. Thank you. You you see our struggle now. No offense to snakes. I'm just saying snakes don't have to be everywhere. <laughs> We've also heard reports of a big cat. Oh, like no, dude. Either a mountain on. lion or a panther or something Stop, that lives up. Dude. Like, I think it's near Aina Haina for those who know where I'm talking about. Um, so that's unsettling. So Damn it. I don't know if they ever caught that thing, but I hear stories every once in a while of people seeing it. So I've been hiking a bunch of times. I've never seen anything like that. It's very rare, but okay. it's not a part of the natural wildlife here. Yeah. In other words. Anyway... Back to the show. Um, (laughs) So now that we've heard those stories, I want to transition into the timeline of Menehune stories in general, because this, this Julianne is where it gets kind of like, there's some twists twists in the road. Okay. Okay. And I discovered this piece of information last minute and it blew my mind. So here we go. Okay. I'm listening. Okay. (laughs) 
So sure, all this stuff about Menehune is nice and dandy, but what if I told you that these stories of the Menehune, at least in the written context, didn't emerge until the 1800s? That's not very long ago. No. There was no mention of the Menehune or the legends of the Menehune in any journals or accounts from different whalers and explorers over time, such as James Cook, Reverend, I don't know how to say his name, Hiram Bingham, uh, <laughs> William Ellis, David Mallow, or Captain Williams, George dude. Vancouver. It was a very popular name back then. Um, the first recorded mention of the Menehune was in a story published in a paper. So there were, at the time, there were two prominent newspapers that were established. I would like to quote something now from the source worldhistory.org slash Menehune. <laughs> okay. Two prominent newspapers were established, which provided the opportunity for scholars like Thomas Thrum to publish Menehune stories. These newspapers, the Star of the Pacific <laughs> and the Independent Newspaper, were published in the Hawaiian language, and by 1861, Menehune tales became more and more fanciful. Thrum even called himself the father of Menehune because he so loved the fairy tales he and other Europeans were weaving. Linguist, okay, linguist and educator William Dewitt Alexander was... <laughs> was the, was the first European to ascribe magical powers and characteristics oh, to the no. Menehune, identifying them as a class or race separate from humans. Oh, no. In a brief, yeah, in a brief history of the Hawaiian people published in 1891, Dewitt talked about notable constructions in the islands and declared that the industrious Menehune elves were responsible. <sighs> I found this last night oh, before no, this episode dude. and I was like, this changes everything. Oh no, this changes everything. <laughs> so this this is a game changer because this is a, obviously a very clear sign that the Menehune were mostly made up and created by, uh, particularly mostly by two men. Filthy um, colonizers who didn't think that the Hawaiians <laughs> were capable of building stuff. <laughs> I know. Oh um, God. And... And publishing these stories. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it asks, the, okay, why do humans make stories up? Right? It's because, because we're it bored. Makes, sure. <laughs> but it also it also helps us to remember because history we're better. Okay. Sometimes. And I'm not sometimes, speaking for me. Go on. I don't know if they were horny about the Menehune. We don't know. When they wrote sure. this. But <laughs> we, <laughs> there's no way to know for sure, I guess. Um <laughs> okay um you know there's many theories out there i guess that's one of them um mm -hmm. uh, but i can't remember what i was saying um anyway Sorry. um <laughs> so our girl Catherine luomala right um yeah. the person i really admire who wrote that book she proposed that the stories of the Menehune started to originate after white settlers and explorers came and introduced their religion and literature, most likely inspired by tales from and akin to Hans Christian Andersen. The fey folk. Go on. Sorry. See what I mean? I'm yelling. No, exactly. <laughs> and so a lot of these, a lot of these connections start to make sense of, okay, the Hawaiian culture did not have a written language. These colonizers came over introduced religion introduced hans christian anderson uh type fairy tales mm -hmm. 
and they needed something to drum up some business in the local papers. Okay. And then this is where an explosion of Menehune stories really started to come forth. Oh, okay. Is it possible that the legends of the Menehune existed before these men started writing these stories? I cannot give you a clear answer on that because it's such a spoken mm-hmm. uh, history, right? So it and it really is almost like a game of telephone where we're not sure how many details are based in truth or were just kind of developed over the decades. We don't know. But I think it's interesting to ask where, like, what does Menehune even mean? Like, where did that name come from? And this is where it starts to get even stranger because obviously the mythical part of them seems pretty made up, right? Mm -hmm. And it's a really interesting way to to keep track of history when really like you said these structures were made by pure skill from the original hawaiians who were there yeah like their stone masonry and their craftsmanship was beyond impressive it was excellent and so that's interesting that we attributed that to the menehune and that these two men had a lot to do with that but Again, what's interesting is where does that name come from, Menehune? What does that mean? mean? Right? And so if they're not mythical beings, if that's all made up, then is it possible that they could have actually been real? So so here's the very (laughs) basic history. (laughs) Due to radiocarbon dating, which means just the aging of the environment or bones or whatever type of material you're testing, due to that, we know so far that there was a wave of people that came from, I believe I'm saying this right, Marquesas Islands. And then there was a wave of people from Tahiti that came. Okay. And so according to some stories or beliefs, when the wave of Tahiti people came over and they encountered uh, the Kama'aina, which Kama'aina means the original, the folks who are originating from that place. Mm when they saw the Kama'aina, they called them Manahune, which in Tahitian language means those of lower class. Because in Tahiti, there were different classes of people and Manahune was like the lowest or one of the lowest. So apparently in this theory, the wave of Tahiti people pushed them out, the people from Mm. Marquesas. They pushed them away, called them Manahune, less than, lower than. And that, the people from the Marquesas Islands were the real mana, uh, excuse me, the real Menehune, right? Okay. Uh, this is one theory, but there's another twist. <laughs> there's also a, another story that the people that first came, that we know were there first, the people from the Marquesas Islands, mm-hmm. that when they arrived, according to legend, when they arrived, the fish ponds and the heiaus, all of that was already there. Oh, my God. And so is this based in fairy tale? Or if that is actually true, then who was here first? Now, Julianne, (sighs) there is actually one theory that could turn out to be true. What? Believe it or not. What? 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 Here you go. Okay. Have you ever heard of homofluorescensis? No. Homofluorescensis was a species of human 
that we thought died out so much earlier, but turns out they were still living around, I think. I think they went extinct, as far as we know, about 50,000 years ago, but they were around when Homo sapiens around, when we really thought that all the other human species died out. Okay. When we thought that human, like the Homo sapiens were like the last standing, they were still kind of around. Okay. So what we think happened was Homo forensiensis was originated from um, a group of people in Africa Mm -hmm. and that they voyaged. Now voyaging across big lengths of water is pretty impressive Yeah, no kidding. that they voyaged from africa down to i believe bali and then settled in indonesia mm. so homo florensiuses they are well they were we have they were real people this yeah. isn't just like some rumor this was a real species of humans they were about three feet tall stop three to four feet tall stop and i'd like to show you pictures of them now Oh, I forgot to show you all the pictures of... Okay, pause. Uh, this is William Dewitt Alexander. Okay. Um, one of the writers. Okay. Oh, this is the shithead from Ilani Palace um, who overthrew the queen but also took really good notes. Okay, his outfit's pretty sick, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> and Ew. this is Thomas Thrum. No. <laughs> that beard's <laughs> a no for me. <laughs> and this is our beloved queen, Lili Okalani. Hey. Who stood every she was imprisoned in her own palace and Jesus Christ she was filled with grace the entire time but that's not the episode we're talking about right now but I just wanted to share that with you um thank you so this is a scale of how short they would have been compared to the average human today okay yeah I believe that they reconstructed what this person would have looked like from the skull oh interesting this is a more sophisticated version but fancy Right. Finally, we see a woman and maybe yeah. <laughs> a child here, which is interesting. It is quite a big jump because if they were believed to have gone extinct about 50,000 years ago and the first recorded history of people from the Marquesas Islands coming over to Hawaii around 1,622 years ago, around there, that's a huge jump yeah, that's, versus yeah. them going extinct 50,000 years that ago. That is a big, <laughs> It's a very gap. big jump. It is, but it is possible that they could have got here from Indonesia through uh, voyaging across the ocean. Yeah. Uh, though it is interesting to note too that the water levels were a lot lower at the time. So if there were any of the whole ocean, yeah, like you can t- like you just fucking sea walk levels across. Were- no, 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 no. <laughs> sea levels were just a lot sh- smaller back then. So because we've had a significant rise. If there were any like archaeological evidence of rafts, for oh. example, it would have been probably washed away or lost. I see. Right. No, it wasn't <laughs> short, <laughs> uh, shallow enough for them to just walk across them. But it is possible that they could have come here because they had the capabilities, but they would have had to have been in the Hawaiian Islands uh, for a very a long, long time. Long time. Right. Yeah. But what if they did die out long before? the people from the Marquesas Islands came and that all these fish fawns were just there. But there are a lot of legends too that say that Native Hawaiians used to call upon the Menehune and that structures kept being built. So that would signal to me that they were still alive, that they still yeah. are alive. Yeah, A lot of people claim to see them in this day and age. So Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Right. Hold on. Yeah, yeah. Do we have any 
I can't remember what the carbon dating was from. Did Do we have dates on the fucking walls? Do we know how old the walls are? I don't know that. Fuck. Okay. Yeah, I'd have to go back. Damn it. But it it seems like that <laughs> was probably just from the people from Marquesas Islands yeah. doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if homofluorescences were the first group of humans or s- species of humans to arrive here in the Hawaiian Islands, then they would technically be the true Kama'aina. And yeah. something I didn't mention earlier, actually, um, do you remember when we were talking about the census? I do Since remember the census. Yes, I do. In, I think, the early 1800s, like 1820s around there, there was a census taken on the island of Kauai and about 2,000 people claim to be of Menehune ancestry. What? 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 Yes. Yes. Wait, hold on. Who took it? Let me see. Filthy colonizers? Right here. No, 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 no. This is from our university's data here. Sometime around, I'm quoting from Guides Library, Manoa, Hawaii.edu. Hell yeah. (laughs) The first population census in historical times was undertaken in Wainiha Valley, oh, Vainiha Valley, excuse me, Kauai, near the beginning of the 19th century. A careful census of valley counted more than 2,000 people, 65 of whom were described as Menehune. Oh, I'm sorry, 65 then. 65 people. Menehune were the legendary race of small people who worked at night building fish ponds, roads, and temples. That's so interesting. And, yeah, this is the census they have from records. Um, the source is from Historical Statistics of Hawaii, University Press of Hawaii, okay. Bureau of Census. So okay. sorry, 2,000 people were taken in that census, but 65 of them claimed to be of Menehune ancestry. Do you hear any of that nowadays? Do you hear anybody claiming that kind of relation to the Menehune? Uh, yeah, some people still do. Really? Yeah, it's not very common, but some people still believe that they are descendants of the Menehune. This is all just so interesting because, I mean, it is kind of related to our Canada episode, isn't it, where there could be a level of different species of human not quite knowing what to make of each other and, like, overlapping very slightly. Like, that's very possible once again. Right. The only thing that's stopping us from really getting on board with this theory is that there's just no archaeological evidence yeah and the year gap is a lot crazier significant (laughs) yes it's a significant amount but i want to make this point uh digging up the dead in hawaiian culture or in the islands is kapu like you which means off limits like you don't you do not want to do that because a it's just extremely disrespectful people were either like placed up in the mountains or they were buried in very special places and to the Hawaiian culture like if you disturb that it's extremely disrespectful because they don't want to be disturbed the whole point was to have peace Mm -hmm. and I think just digging up anyone's remains anywhere in the world is seen as very distasteful right sorry Somerton man yeah (laughs) (laughs) I mean excavation is one thing like if you're exhuming the body like to figure out a crime that's one thing you know that brings justice to them but just to dig just to dig yeah it can become quite controversial i won't get into this very much but there are a lot of rumors that construction sites who accidentally dug up native hawaiian bodies 
um, especially the ones that kept going anyway. Um, I think there's a law now that stops that, but uh, bachi, bachi on you and your cow. Bachi means bad luck, bad karma. So there's a lot of very creepy stuff that happens, like reports of people getting really, really haunted. Oh, okay. Or cursed. You don't want to deal with that. Anyway, so it's possible to me that we just haven't dug enough, that we haven't dug down deep enough. We haven't tested enough. Hmm. But you would think if they were there for such a long amount of time and they still are there, there would at least be one set of bones somewhere. Yeah. That we would have accidentally dug up or yeah. found. Unless, of course, the species had a very or developed a very interesting like burial system. Like maybe they do live in caves. Like I was going to ask legend about of caves. The it goes. Right. Maybe they have a cave system and their dead are there. I don't know. I mean, theoretically, archaeologists love caves and would be checking out caves already. Right. Think. But Menehune are said to live in like the deepest parts of the forest mm. in caves in places where regular people the general public do not go it's dangerous for them to go so could they be very good at hiding away uh, you know if they were still around today is you know like that that person that one of the stories talked about seeing them come out of the forest and go back do they have a way of hiding themselves I don't know. And why would they? Yeah. This, I mean, it's not inconceivable. Like there's, um, God, what is that animal called? There's an animal. It looks kind of like a little deer somewhere deep in the mountains in Asia. What the fuck is that called? It's, it's like gonna go extinct soon. It's very sad. And like nobody can fucking find it. Like it does not want to be seen. So it's not seen. What is this guy called? Just like Bigfoot. <laughs> it is exactly like Bigfoot, Just dude. Like Their current population is thought to be a few hundred at a maximum and possibly only a few dozen at a minimum, but nobody knows for sure. There's a website called savethesaola.org. They're trying to just find like any of them in order to try to help them. But it's just like, you know, poaching happens and they're just like very sneaky and good at not being caught. I don't know. So like it's not it's just, it's interesting to think about a group of human-like people or human-like creatures or whatever not being able to be found, especially, you know, Hawaii is it's not that much land space, right? Like how many how many unexplored areas are there on these islands? You know what I mean? So maybe that's harder to imagine for me. Yeah, I mean, it is a small space, but I wouldn't put it past it that there could be places that we just haven't checked enough or that we yeah. just don't know enough about, especially if it's a species of human or any, you know, any type of species that doesn't want to be found. Yeah. Then they will intentionally not, <laughs> they, they will be elusive if they want to be. Yeah. Apparently, the, Sa the I'm so sorry, the Saola was only discovered 20 years ago. Oh, wow. <laughs> they, they had no idea that it existed. Right. And that's that's a really good point, too, is that, you know, we continuously find uh, new discoveries that shake the very foundation of what we thought was true that's all true. the time. So why not homo floresiensis in Hawaii? Anyway, back to the show. So, so we have no answers. No, but we have very interesting theories. And so, look, I 
I'm very respectful of people's experiences. So I've heard a lot of stories about, you know, like little handprints on cars, you know, things going missing, people seeing ghostly menehune figures in their homes. Like a lot of people have different experiences. Um, they're not always the most natural sounding. So could, <laughs> I don't know, there's just so many possibilities. So how about we dive into the theories now and then you and I can give our conclusion on what we think. Okay. Theory one. Uh, the Menehune really were a species of human who really did live in Hawaii and possibly still do. You know, we just Not talked about that. Question. Not out of the question. Two, the Menehune were a real species of human, but were driven into hiding, possibly died out or were immortalized through mythology and storytelling. If we were to say spirits are real, could this be the spirits of the group of people that existed here at one point? Oh, interesting. Right? So could the answer be a little more complicated where they were in existence, they died out, and now they're spirits that people see? That is very interesting. Right? If, if we were to say that spirituality like that. was real. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of, that one I like. I, and it's interesting because I don't normally go, I don't go down that road most of the time, you know, like. I know. But when I hear that, I'm like, hmm, okay. That kind of fits everyone's fancy. I, I don't even know. <laughs> that doesn't even yeah. make sense. I just made that up. <laughs> you know what I mean? It kind of explains away a lot, if that were even yeah. remotely true. Theory number three, the Menehune were simply Manahune in the eyes of the Tahitian people. And by the way, the Tahitian people, that wave of Tahitian people that came to Hawaii, that's who we know as Native Hawaiians today. Uh, not oh, so really? much the Mar Yeah, not so much the Marquesas folks. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So were the Menehune simply just... The people from Marquesas Islands. I mean, that linguistic connection is hard to ignore. Right. And would it be possible that the Marquesas people being kicked out and kind of dying out and having the Tahitian wave of people being the new Native Hawaiians, like coupled with um, that fairy tale storytelling that took place in the 1800s, it could be that there was no homo floresiensis. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that it really was just the Marquesas people being called the Manahune by the Tahitians. And now I'm curious how much how much could the filthy colonizers have misunderstood the story and just infused their own Hans Christian Andersen style into it? Oh, like they definitely they heard did. Just the like, Manahune, yeah. No, they definitely did. Like the it, it seems it, apparently it very much looks like the stories of the Menehune building these fish ponds and these irrigation dishes came directly from those two men writing yeah. for the papers, right? In the mid 1800s. So many guys who just love writing fanciful stories. But also think about this, because that census that was taken in Kauai in the early 1800s, yeah. that was before 1861 or 62 when these stories True. started coming out. So Obviously, there were whispers and knowledge of the Menehune even before these stories came out. Yeah, that's true. So when did these stories really originate? We don't know. But it seems the fantastical parts started in the 1860s. But I think, honestly, I think the Menehune were regarded as real people. Because look at it, right? If people are claiming to be of Menehune ancestry yeah. in the 1820s, then that must mean to me, that they thought that they were real people at some point. Yeah. So I, I agree. So there you go. I think we just answered our own question. The, yeah. It, 
the original belief was they were real people. Around the 1860s, that's when the fantastical fantasy yeah. element of it came into play. There you go. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, <laughs> not to you, to, just to history in general, I guess. Is it possible that this is just purely manifested out of energy and enough belief? Like these stories are like, I don't even know if this is real quantum mechanically, <laughs> quantum physically, whatever. But what if these really did start as stories, but people believed them, poured so much energy into them that it started to become real in some spiritual way? Mm. I don't know if that's even possible, but that's a very some far out there think theory. It is. Yeah. I mean, isn't, you know, the manifestation of something really just pouring energy and concentrating intention into one area? Of something could it be possible we don't know yeah i guess that's it <laughs> that's it for theories <laughs> julianne Once where again, do you I stand make it clear i want to make it yeah. clear chloe that the law of attraction yeah. isn't a real science law and there is no proof i know that manifestation is a thing i don't you just said it very matter of fact there so i just wanted to revisit <laughs> and make sure we're on the same page about that oh i um, apologize i didn't mean it so um concretely but i but there <laughs> there are theories out there yeah yeah, yeah, yeah i'm yeah. saying what if we were to take that theory yeah. and if assume just true. for a second yeah just for a second it were true yeah. would it be possible with those set of circumstances i'm not yeah. saying it's real okay. i'm saying it's a possibility it's a theory okay. um so julianne where do you stand ah oh, fuck i don't fucking know dude what the fuck like i have uh, <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> um Oh, God. I don't know. It, it stresses me out because it's like. I know. <sighs> me too. I, I mean, OK, so if, maybe I'm getting a little kooky with my old age, um, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There seems to be. A, I don't know. There seem to be. A, 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 there seems to be a thread of tricksterism throughout the world. Right of tricky little, tricky little things we can't explain, and weird little shit happening when we're not looking or whatever. Um, and all sorts of different cultures have all sorts of different explanations for this, right? Um, so I guess that that kind of takes me to a place of like, what if that kind of high strangeness is all one thing, and all of our stories, all of what we call it across different cultures, are just us taking bits and pieces of stuff that is real and applying it to something that we still can't understand fully. Maybe we can't understand it because of fucking blips in the fucking matrix, dude, little fucking glitches, or if it's just fucking like, I don't know, fucking parallel universes crossing over for a second, I don't know, and you lose your fucking tie and then you find your tie somewhere else or like your fucking ice cubes are being eaten or your fucking shrimp are <laughs> gone or whatever, you know? Oh, that could also be one fucking thing, dude. And then it's like, so if that's just one thing, and then we're taking the Menehune, and, you know, I think probably, I don't know anymore. What, like, the the the, the Manahune thing makes sense to me, that maybe this was just, oh, my God. Can you tell that my brain's breaking? Like, all I'm yes. trying to say is maybe there were actually people 
of some sort. I'm not saying whether they were homophlorifiences or if they were (laughs) if they were um, little fairy people or what or if they were just the people from the what was it the what islands the mar marquesas the marquesas islands yes or whatever like just it's possible that bits of some of those things are true about who was hanging around and who everyone's descendants are and all of that kind of stuff and high strangeness is getting this um this label of menehune applied to it because that's all that can be grasped do you know what i'm trying to say absolutely yes okay cool (laughs) okay great yes i'm thinking okay well that's a very interesting point i'm thinking like it's just hard it's hard because it's it's hard when you have to grapple with contemporary stories you know yeah. what I mean? Because then it's like, what the fuck are we even talking about anymore if some of the theories like eliminate Menehune from being possible? Right. And and so it's like once it's kind of like the Somerton man, right? Like, uh, yeah, <laughs> you think you're going one place and then you remember, oh, yeah, but this. Yeah. It's very complex. And ah, oh, God, I. Mm. I mean, I like the idea that maybe the people from the Marquesas Islands were really the Menehune. That's but, what that's uh, what I like too. But it doesn't make sense with the height. Oh, it doesn't. Do you know the height? Do, do you know the height of the Marquesas people? Yeah, they were Homo sapiens. They weren't all three to four feet tall. Okay, but they were Homo I mean, sapiens. I guess if if they're being looked down upon in a classism <laughs> sense, maybe they over time. That mm-hmm. lower class looking down upon kind of exaggerates into also height being smaller. That could very much be true. But then you have all these firsthand accounts where people see. Yeah. Like it's not just that they one see story those I told you. abs and those <laughs> tiny bodies. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's true. There's a lot of sightings of that. Some of them seem spiritual. Some of them seem real. Yeah. Um, so it's very confusing. The stories are all over the place. Not to say that every single story that comes out is true, but I, I believe that there are true ones out there and people are seeing something. I really do feel that. I don't think everyone under the sun could be lying. So that's where I get very stumped. But I don't know. I, I know it's not the most scientific, like, I mean, we're literally a paranormal podcast, so whatever. If you came here expecting (laughs) hard-hitting science, then you're in the wrong place. But, like, if we were to say that, like, the spiritual realm realm was real and the Menehune really were in existence at some point and now they are spiritual beings, that would be – that would explain a lot. Yeah. That would – that would c- account for everything that would yeah. fit so many check so many boxes um so that's my favorite theory just because it, there's that human part of me that just wants this to be easy and make sense right <laughs> i mean there's also the theory that like high strangeness whatever's behind high strangeness can like just adapt to look like whatever you want it to look like or like mm. whatever can you explain to our audience what your definition of high strangeness is no i cannot um <laughs> oh cool all right so high strangeness i don't know how to define it it's just like uh how i don't it's just like all the, it kind of encapsulates like you know how there's like 
there's sci-fi, but then there's also speculative fiction, and like sci-fi falls under speculative fiction. I feel like high strangeness kind of captures like um captures cryptid stories, it captures alien stuff, it captures like losing time, black-eyed kids, um uh oh, okay. Um it it's kind of a catch-all for like experiences that aren't understood yet. I see. Yeah. So UFO cases that have a lot of different kind of weird shit. Like, you know, UFO cases aren't often just, oh, I saw a ship. It's also other stuff, right? Like, it's like technology stops working. It's like I lost two hours of time. It's like all this, all of that stuff. So it's just like um, there are a lot of different theories that I'm not super well educated about if education is a proper word for when we're talking about high strangeness because it's all kind of just ideas in our heads. But like there are theories that all of these things, cryptid sightings, UFO sightings are connected and maybe have more to do with like parallel universes or just like us not understanding the nature of reality, you know, that kind of stuff, simulation maybe, blah, Mm -hmm. blah, blah. So it's like whatever's causing it, be it an entity or just a fucking energy or whatever, like our brain's just going to generate an image for us to better understand what's happening. And so if we already have ideas of cultural things like menehune or whatever, it's going to fill in the blanks with those types of images, even if that's not what's actually happening. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Okay. That's yeah, I'm sure a lot <laughs> of it is that, is exactly that. Yeah. So that's why some of it makes sense that there are contradictions, right? Like if if right. that's the case. And that's why I'm just like I really can't put my finger on what I really think about all yeah. of this because I wouldn't be surprised if it were like the truth were like a mixed bag of mm-hmm. a lot of these things that we talked about today and in a strange way that we can't even think. You know, like maybe a little bit of this is true. That wasn't true, but this was really true. Like we don't really know. Yeah. But it it certainly is interesting that uh, these aren't just nearly stories of like forest nymphs or magical beings that, again, this is very unique that the definition of Menehune keeps changing over the decades. Yeah. I was expecting it to be more straightforward, all of it. (laughs) No, no. It's such a web. Yes. Uh, a labyrinth of information and turns and I think it really comes down to belief and it comes down to your experiences because some people who might have thought that they've seen Menehune or really believe that they've seen it or encountered it it could be very real to them and they might have a very different view so it really depends on who you are what your experiences are and what you believe me I'm just not convinced on anything right now yeah but all of this information is damning. It's 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 not damning. It's um it's interesting. <laughs> it's uh, puzzling. Very and puzzling. I think that's why this is a very unique case uh, of cryptid or legend. I agree. I guess that's it. I'm sure you guys I'm made it all recover. the way through. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I didn't know going into this episode that like the research for this was going to be so intense. Yeah, I didn't know. <laughs> that it was going to be this crazy and that there was going to be so much history and theories on this. Like, it's just nuts. Yeah, there are a lot Um, of different angles. Yeah. So I hope that we confused the fudge out of you too, (laughs) that you're just as confused as we are. Um, I would love to know how many people knew or didn't know of 
Menehune before this. I'm very curious about that. How many people saw that episode of Rocket Power or not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so let us know. Let us know on social media. Did you know that you can find us <laughs> on all sorts of social medias? We're everywhere. You can find us on Instagram at isbillypod, I-S-B-I-L-I, stands for I'm Scared But I Like It. You can find us on Facebook. Just search I'm Scared But I Like It podcast. You can find us on YouTube, too. Just search for I'm Scared But I Like It podcast. <laughs> if you We love- hope you haven't clicked off yet. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to miss all this really yeah. important information. There's more. Um, if you love oh. this episode and you would like to support your local library through us, I don't know. That doesn't Wait, make what? sense. <laughs> if you would you, like you're to not su- paying for books, so I'm like, I don't know. If you would like us, if you would like to support us to support our local libraries, yeah, um, is what um, she meant to say. Sure. If you would like to support us, please <laughs> check out our Kofi page, Kofi.com slash I'm scared, but I like it. You can find the link in the description. You can find links to all of the resources Chloe used in the description of this show and pictures are there too thanks did you already say the creepy stories of your own thing no i didn't but i will uh (laughs) if you loved hearing real people's stories of menehune and you have real stories of your own creepy stuff you could be shared on this podcast just like those real people's stories that you heard this is rough um (laughs) if you imagine that imagine that if you have a creepy story that you would love to share with us, for us to share on the podcast. We want to have an episode featuring your creepy stories. Please email us at I'm scared, but I like it at gmail.com or DM us on any of the social medias. You ended really strong. That was good. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> we have been talking for like over two hours. So chaotic. Energy. And we were both loopy to start with. <laughs> Thank you so much, Chloe. This was amazing. You know, I love hearing about Hawaii. Do you say Hawaiian? Like, how do you say? Hawaiian, I don't know why we don't say correctly. Hawaiian, but it's it's. I've never heard anyone say Hawaiian. It's Hawaiian. Yeah, just Hawaiian. I don't know. Well, I love hearing about Hawaiian stories. Um, I think it's really cool. I love hearing stuff that you've heard from other people. I think that's really cool. And yeah, this this topic was way deeper and twistier than I thought it was going to be. So I appreciate you sharing with us. Awesome. Yeah, I'm gonna try to do one Hawaiian themed episode every season hell yeah and i'm already excited about the next subject because the next one's gonna be very very creepy oh fuck yeah i'm not gonna say anything more (laughs) um but thank you so much guys we hope you liked it and until next time stay haunted stay stay scared oh yeah and like it (laughs) and like oh god we we hope we hope you were scared and we hope you liked it Oh gosh. Okay. Yeah, that was good. You said it good. I said weird. Okay. Bye. 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 See you. See you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.